Dr. Todd Watson, your host with uh, the Arbor Pod interview series, and I'm here with Dr. Kim Coder. He is a professor of tree biology and healthcare at the Warnell School uh, at the University of Georgia, and uh, he's many of you may know him. He's well known among arborists, and he's an excellent speaker. And he and I have known each other for a while, and he makes fun of me for being short, and I make fun of him because his name is Kim, which I think about uh, the Johnny Cash song where his father named him Sue to make him tough, and I'm not sure if that's why Kim you, is a deep tree biology. So, Dr. Coder, you know I know what deep tissue massage is, but I'm not sure about deep tree biology. What is deep tree biology? Uh, deep tree biology is where we're going to go in much more detail about the physiology, the chemistry, the biochemistry of how trees work. And the points will just be uh, random shots in the dark if you don't understand how the tree works. So what are some of the main components of tree biology? Well, the things that we have tried to cover are photosynthesis, which is um, how trees grab light energy and capture it and save it, and how they grab carbon from the air out of CO2 and save that, use the light energy of the uh, photosynthesis to string carbon chains together, and then you ship it down to the roots and use it there in respiration. So photosynthesis and respiration are what we concentrated on, and it was all about following energy and carbon through the tree. So how do those two work together uh, when we're looking at photosynthesis in a tree and then the, uh, the other side, respiration? Well, it, it really starts with water. You break water apart to uh, get things called protons and electrons out, and you make oxygen. And you go clear through photosynthesis, clear through respiration, and you end up putting those same electrons back on oxygen to make water. So in some times you would say uh, dust to dust. Well, in trees it's water to water. That is the whole cycle of electron uh, flow. When we're looking at this, because it's a very technical uh, topic, but how can an arborist use this information about tree biology, um, about photosynthesis, respiration, some of those physiological functions, why is that important in their job? How can they use that day-to-day -day in their uh, tree work? Well, we concentrated on showing the process, and at each step we talked about how temperature would affect it, water would affect it, um, uh, too much light, too little light, and all of it helps them fine-tune how they take care of trees. If they have a parking lot tree, which would be out in the heat, why it does the things that it does, why it looks different, it reacts different, and how just adding water alone may not be enough. If you understand the physiology of what is messing the tree up, the stress that's out there on it, uh, by understanding the basic uh, physiology, then you can treat it better. And so both the tree, the client, and the arborist are helped by having the best treatment uh, uh, applied in the best way. And so I guess when an arborist is looking at a tree, and let's say it's a stressed tree, we easily get called out to uh, look at stressed trees. If you've got one that's maybe 50% defoliated, then I guess there are aspects that they need to understand about photosynthesis and how that tree might respond. 
versus a normal tree that has all of its leaves. That's true. And you know that if it's 50% defoliated, bad things have been going on for a while. What we're trying to do is back the arborist up to when it was 5% defoliated or 1% defoliated. If you become aware of what the tree is supposed to look like and when it's starting to have problems, then you can do a better job in taking care of it. Because by the time it gets too bad, um, uh, there may not be a lot of things we can do about it. But when you understand, for example, uh, um, a copper and zinc shortage can be... Mm, a copper and zinc shortage can uh, cause photosynthesis to decline maybe 30% and never show a physical feature on the outside even though your photosynthesis has dropped by a third. So that means you're going to have more pest problems, more things go wrong. But the, uh, the key thing is if you are looking for things and are aware of things, um, uh, it's harder to surprise a good arborist that understands how the tree works. And I guess this, um, you know, a lot of trees are deciduous, drop their leaves in the wintertime, uh, and then have leaves during the season. But I guess these effects on photosynthesis and respiration are also seasonal. Uh, for instance, if you're looking at that same tree in the heat of the summer and it's in the upper 90s, how is that affecting photosynthesis and, and respiration and ultimately the health of that tree? And this is that tree with 50% foliage we were discussing. Well, and one of the things that we, we continue to see is what's called a heat load doubling. For every 18 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, we have an increase in temperature. We double the amount of respiration, double the amount of water use. And so um, a little bit of temperature increase greatly increases uh, carbon use, uh, water use, and can mess the tree up bad. So then you say, well, I'll water it extra. Well, in every 18 degrees, you've got to double the amount of water use. Well, are you providing that much water? And then have you doubled the drainage? Um, or are you just going to drown the tree? So again, understanding heat load on the physiolo physiology of the tree, that is a critical thing because that heat load can continue to push the tree until uh, it finally succumbs and dies. Or you can use several years and try to get it back. Well, I remember reading... Um uh, a fact sheet or a publication you have, I'm assuming it's still online, uh, about heat stroke in trees. And I had never thought about trees having heat stroke, uh, but the things that you're just talking about, um, you know, really bring that point home and, and how respiration is affected in photosynthesis. It, it is, and the other addition on um, heavy heat loads, we have problems with nitrogen. When you do too much nitrogen fertilization, too much heat load, uh, there is kind of a combination effect that kind of spirals the tree down because it's spending a lot of carbon to uh, a lot of food to make sure the nitrogen is doing all right and it doesn't spend it to uh, uh, have a good life. And so we have trees that are highly stressed uh, in high heat conditions if you over fertilize them. So I guess kind of summarizing some of this, if trees make their own food through photosynthesis and we don't actually feed trees, as some people would say, but, but we fertilize them, um, what would an arborist do to be able to 
to help declining trees recover um, and promote photosynthesis and, and maybe not uh, decrease respiration, but try to deal with, uh, with that extra energy being burned? Well, one of the, the biggest things we do, every arborist does, is uh, we prune trees. And in pruning, we can fine-tune and manage how much biomass we take off, how many leaves, how many branches that are green that we take off. And by careful um, pruning, we can uh, keep the respiration about the same and actually increase photosynthesis. If we prune too much, we damage photosynthesis in the whole tree, and the tree starts to have bad problems. Now, if the tree is already stressed by drought or other things, just a tiny bit of pruning could be too much. And so knowing the amount, the, the pruning dose that you give a tree, that's key in, in having a great tree and having a survivable, survivable tree that will be sustained over a number of years. So as uh, arborists or tree doctors, uh, we think more about the work, but I guess it's really important that we understand some of these basic physiological functions because it has an impact on, it, on our it practice. It does. It does. And, you know, uh, uh, many uh, physicians that deal with uh, humans, uh, you know, you, if you are the best physician, you have to understand how the human body physiologically functions in order for your additions, your medicines and things to have effect. It's the same with arborists. Sometimes we do things because it's traditional or because we've always done it that way. And we realize that if we understand the physiology, maybe there's a better way to work with the tree to have healthy side, healthy tree. Where would, um, you know, it's a complex topic um, there, you know, people spend years and years in school getting a degree in, in plant physiology or, or something closely related. Where could an arborist go to get good information about tree biology and, and photosynthesis and respiration uh, specifically uh, that they could use? Well, the best place has always been uh, at the local ISA chapters and the international conferences. The, the, the conferencing um, aspects of the profession of arboriculture is the best way to uh, share information with people that have the same problems you do and to hear people that um, have gone ahead and, and looked at very specific things that come back to the conference and tell you what's happening in things. And so investing a little bit in your own education by conferencing is just a great investment to, to learn how trees work. Uh, yeah, that's helped me a lot. And also, too, here I want to put in a plug for you have lots of publications uh, that deal with this subject, and I'm assuming they're still available online. Uh, good, so uh, for people to go get them. So, well, thank you very much for taking some time to uh, help us uh, understand a little bit about this deep topic. This is Dr. Todd Watson, your host with uh, the Arbor Pod interview series, and I'm here with Dr. Kim Coder. He is a professor of tree biology. And and uh, I would ask everyone to stay tuned for our next interview uh, for ArborPod. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.